Have you ever been both equally excited and also very nervous about news? We're jumping right fucking into this, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, shit. Well, yes, I have, and I know exactly what you're referring to there, buddy. Yes, so according to Hollywood Reporter, Scream 7 is in fact happening, and it has found a director. Yeah. This is fun, because normally I start the timestamps with 0000 start. Because there's a little brief intro. Yeah. Now I could just do the first story. This is excellent. <laughs> this is great news. But yes, Scream 7 is happening, and it has a director. And yes. the sad news, it's not the same directors as Scream 5 and it 6. It is not the Radio Silence team. They are working on their Universal Monster movie. Yes. Um, but, fear not, we have another horror director that is taking over duties. Christopher Landon, who directed both Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, and Freaky will be helming the next Scream movie. Yes, and I believe Bloody Disgusting broke the news, but I'm going to read from Hollywood Reporter here. Yes. Uh, Spyglass is answering the call once more, throwing a new Scream movie into development. The company has tapped Christopher Landon, a scary movie stalwart whose credits include Happy Death Day series, as well as the body-switching horror comedy Freaky, to direct the seventh installment of the long-running franchise. Multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. It goes on to talk about how they're taking over from the Universal... Mm-hmm. Or the um, the Radio Silence team who's working on their movie for Universal. And it's unclear who's going to be writing the script at this point. Although they believe that the screenwriters are James Vanderbilt and uh, Guy Busick will come back. They mm-hmm. think so. And it's all because, you know, they don't know who's writing anything because of the strikes. Um, it's also expected that Paramount will distribute the movie as well. And uh, what's also not confirmed is who's all going to be returning. Because you know Jenna Ortega's expensive now. Yes. And you know that um, some of the other cast members will be also, especially the one girl's on uh, Yellow Jackets. And she's been doing really, really well. Jasmine Savoy Brown. Yes, yes. And also, if Neff Campbell comes back, you know, she's not asking for anything less than what she thought was insulting before. Mm -hmm. But I think Paramount is unfortunate because I want Neff Campbell back really bad. Here's the thing. They could get rid of the Carpenter sisters and just have it be the twins, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as well. They could... Here's the thing. I I, want to give Melissa Barrera the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she's as bad as people say. Again, I like the direction that they're going with her character. Mm -hmm. I do think Sydney being there helps, because I think Sydney can see when someone's slipping down that path and be the one that's like, something's fucked right now with her. I'm not a big fan of Melissa Burr's performance in the movies. Mm-hmm. I think if you, they cannot get Jenna Ortega back, I don't have any interest in that character outside of the sister element of it. Because they, they do have a good relationship. Yes. Um, here's the thing that sucks about the Nev Campbell thing, too. I'm still on the Nev Campbell thing. <laughs> is um, Paramount can now say to her, well, we made all this money without you. Mm-hmm. Fuck! Just be nice and get her back, please. Please. But let's get back to the director. Yes, yes. What are your thoughts on this choice? I feel like we feel the exact same way. Yes. We're both deeply saddened that the Radio Silence guys are not returning. But, anyone else is going to do it. I mean, the freaky guy's pretty good. Like, it's a good choice. Like, it matches. It passes the smell test. Here's my thing on it. Mm -hmm. Do I like Happy Death Day? Do I like Happy Death Day to you? And do I like Freaky? Yes. (laughs) Are they great movies? No. False, I'd argue that Freaky is a criminally underseen movie and I, a very underrated Do movie. I love them? Yes. Do I think that they balance the horror kind of mystery aspect with the comedy very well? Yes. I don't think of Scream as a comedy, so I'm nervous about that. Now, do True. I think that Ready or Not is a better film than all three of those that I just named? Yes, yes I do, mm-hmm. which is the Radio Silence team. Yeah. Do I think there are better directors than Christopher Landon? Yes. 
But do I get enjoyment out of those movies that Christopher Landon has directed? Also, yes. But do I want that in my Scream movie? I, I see where you're coming from. To me, Freaky is the one that gets me excited. Uh-huh. Because I, I don't dislike the Happy Death Day movies, but I wasn't huge on them. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're fun. Um, Freaky is the one that had a better balance, I think. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it also was more intense than the other films like it was actually scarier than the other like the opening scene of freaky is fucking scary yes and like it was also hilarious it used it knew, it knew how to use its actors but i'd say both happy death day and freaky knew how to use their actors very well mm-hmm. which is very needed in a scream movie especially with the amount of returning characters that we have uh, assuming that they all come back i am optimistic is there a part of me disappointed that radio the radio silence team is not coming back of course but I was also sad that a West, that a screen movie was happening without Wes Craven, mm-hmm. and it turned out great. So I remain optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Here's what I'm excited about all of these concepts, though. So in Scream 6, they had Samara Weaving be the first kill, mm-hmm. and she was their lead in Ready or Not. So I am excited Ooh, about, about the concept of yeah. a Jessica Roth or a Catherine Newton being that person. That also being said, I would love for him to just subvert expectations and have it be Vince Vaughn that dies. <laughs> Dude, that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be so good. Holy shit. Oh, I like that idea a lot. I like it a lot. Especially if he's just playing Vince Vaughn. Yeah. So, we'll see. I... Like we said, cautiously optimistic. Uh, what do you guys think about Scream 7? Are you happy it's happening? Are you happy or sad with the new director? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story, which, by the way, we're going to have three main stories on the show. Uh, we were trying to decide what's going to be our main topic and what's going to be B-roll, and we decided that all three of these topics needed their time in the limelight, so we're going to dive into two more stories for you. Nick, what do you got for us next? Yeah, our next story uh, actually just broke on Vulture mm-hmm. before the show, but now all the other trades. I know I saw a Variety article before we started. Yep. Um, Overworked and underpaid, VFX workers vote to unionize at Marvel. Yes, so this is huge, especially with Very big. all the other unions and strikes going on unions going on what a fucking dumb sentence Dalton. <laughs> but um basically it, with labor being in the subject um the subject jesus christ i can't fucking talk with labor unions being in the headlines how hard was that um this is a huge move not only because it could potentially start a new union for vfx which historically since the 70s have not had a union and have been treated like garbage which we've seen in all the headlines but i i'm gonna shout out vulture here because vulture from day one with the vfx like mistreatment vulture has been the one covering all of these and like Mm -hmm. putting out the first articles and they've really stuck to their guns of like no we're gonna make sure that the fucking vfx people get better lives Mm -hmm. so good on you vulture but um basically the in-house VFX team at Marvel of over 50 people have signed a petition saying that they want to unionize within their workforce, and they've actually submitted a um, paperwork to uh, the state to be a part of IATSE, like mm-hmm. kind of be covered under that the uh, IATSE group, the uh, people who work on sets, who almost struck last year. Struck? Striked? Whichever's correct. I'm now going to read a little bit from the Vulture article, so here we go. 
On Monday, a group of more than 50 on-set employees filed a petition for an election to be represented by the International Alliance of Theater Stage Employees, IATSE, with the National Labor Relations Board. That's who they submitted it to. Uh, The workers are asking for the election to be held as early as August 21st. Now, damn it. (laughs) Uh, This marks the first time visual effects professionals have banded together to demand same rights wage protection professional watchdog oversight enjoyed by workers in almost every other segment of the entertainment industry. The supermajority of Marvel's 52-member on-set production crew signed authorization cards to indicate that they'd wish to be represented by the powerful labor union representing some 170,000 artisans, technicians, stagehands, and craftspeople across TV, film, and live theater in the United States and Canada. The article goes on to talk about how one of the big things VFX workers are asking for is um, time in between work. Because basically they're saying, especially when COVID, when people started working from home, Mm -hmm. that they would have four hours where they weren't working. Like they would just be working 20 hours, 20, 21 hour shifts. And it's like, we just want to go to fucking bed. (laughs) Like (laughs) I would like a decent night's sleep. And and for those of you that don't know, how the VFX industry works is – uh, let's say Marvel or Disney and Marvel, they have a number of VFX shots that need to be worked on. Let's say we're going to take this sequence, sequence A. We need sequence A to be done, and then they go out to VFX vendors and say, who has a bid for mm-hmm. this shot? And people start bidding. And you have to be really competitive and outbid each other to get Marvel because it's a huge contract. But the problem is you don't get it. That project's going to take you so long you can't work on anything else and the bids get so high that you're overspending and you're not going to make that back. So it's just a rabbit hole of bad things. Like, if you dive into the history of VFX, like, the VFX house, the name of the VFX company is leaving me, but they did the VFX for Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. They won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects on the Life of Pi. That's how good the VFX were. And I think almost a year later, after Life of Pi, they went out of business, bankrupt, done. Just because that's the the nature of what it is. Rhythm and Hughes yes. was the name of the yes, VFX yes, house. Yes, That's what it's like working in VFX. That's how cutthroat and hard it is. And so what I think this is a good thing is like the, you know, the in-house Marvel people doing this. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to inspire other like, dude, if Framestore or ILM union, dude, it's fucking over. Like if, if, if ILM, ILM is the one. If ILM can create some sort of labor union or be a part of some labor union it is over for mm-hmm. these studios like and things will finally not only will they finally be taken care of as people like on a personal level like the people are going to be taken care of their lives are going to be better the wages are going to be better it's going to be a better working condition but for the consumer the art's going to be better because mm-hmm. people aren't dying making them they're not exhausted it's not rushed jobs yes exactly and what has avatar taught us the one lesson that Avatar should teach everyone is take your fucking time. Yeah. And the shit will look excellent. Like, just give it the time that it's due. There was a TED Talk that one of the Corridor crew... Are you familiar with the Corridor crew? Mm-hmm. One of them did a TED Talk, and they have a great line in it, and they say, movies are never finished. They are just released. And this is never more true than with visual effects. Mm-hmm. Fully agree. And the example he used was Black Panther, the first one. He was talking about, look at how all of these great sequences, like, look at these great VFX of Black Panther. He goes, now watch the fight at the end. These these ex- these effects are in the same movie. How is that possible? And just, like, yeah. going through. It's a great TED Talk. If you've never seen it, it's an amazing TED Talk. I'll have to check that one out. No, that it's, good. It's, I love it's, the corridor. It's for very team. good. And they did, yeah. they did a video essay version of the TED Talk on their YouTube channel. Oh, okay. So it's very well done. And, uh, yeah, so this is huge. This is huge news. And I hopefully think it will lead to more 
VFX unions or even one mm-hmm. major, because right now they're they're petitioning to be part of IATSE. I would love to see a division within IATSE or its own separate union just for VFX workers. That would be that'd be awesome. That'd be brilliant. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this? And you know, what what's next? I mean, like you said, it's about time they haven't had these changes in a long time and with the amount of big budget overspending that the studios are doing and the product that they're receiving and the product that we as consumers are getting i mean you're seeing these movies that are not making money in the slightest i mean Mm -hmm. you have your big ones now like barbie and oppenheimer but these effects heavy movies like any of the last few superhero movies have not been making money look at flash that's a very vfx heavy film and so when you start to see that you know Basically, between the VFX workers doing this now at Marvel, you have the actors and you have the writers on strike, everything like that. What we're going to be seeing is just a fundamentally different Hollywood once this is all over. And I think what's interesting about that is in the short term, it looks bad for Hollywood because it's a mess. Everyone's striking. Rightfully so, though. Um, And the product quality has had a huge dip. But after the fact, when everyone is getting better wages, everyone's happier in their positions, everyone is getting more sleep, getting more, you know, this energy to deliver the best possible product, you're going to see that shift turn and these movies, you know, are going to start improving in quality, which is going to help on the consumer side of things. Yeah. And it's going to take time. Oh, yeah. But what I think Hollywood studios aren't realizing is like, the audience is okay with you taking your time if the product you give us fucking rules. Mm-hmm. If it rules, people will go see it. Like, plain I and mean, simple. I mean, Avatar 2 had no problem making a billion dollars. It had no sequ- problem making two billion dollars. It had no problem making two billion dollars, <laughs> yeah. and it's what, 12 years after the first one? Yeah, something like that. Think about how many trilogies we've gotten in the time between two Avatar movies. Yeah. And Avatar 2 had better effects than all of those trilogies. Yeah, and probably outgrossed all of them combined. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So it's, the lessons are there. It's just the studios refusing to learn it. Fuck yeah, that was awesomely put. Hey. My nipples would be hard if I had feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And with that down, we're going to move on to our final story, our final main topic. Nicholas, what do you got for us next? As we all know, the WGA is on strike, and we're closing in on day 100 for it, which is, uh, we'll pass the previous strike, I I believe. I think that one lasted 100 days, so by the end of the week. um, Well, the WGA and the AMPTP met to try to resume negotiations, and all that they decided on was that they can't agree to resume (laughs) negotiations. Yes, yes. So uh, it was pretty wild. So on Friday, uh, they the the AMPTP and WGA met, and it wasn't exactly the meeting that they wanted to have. So basically, the AMPTP came in and sat down and said, hey, I'll just let you know, we're not even going to talk about um, streaming residuals. And uh, writer's room requirements. We're only here to talk about minimum payments and AI. And uh, by the way, anything you hope to achieve to that, we're not going to go more than the DGA deal that occurred. So, you guys ready to you guys ready to make a deal? And the GBA was like, "Fuck you! No, we're not ready to make a deal." <laughs> and that's pretty much exactly what happened. And by the way, the DGA that they mentioned, they reelected their president, mm-hmm. which is crazy because the DGA, from what you would think, is furious with them. Yeah, but I guess not everyone. Um, I'm going to read from Deadline here who reported on the uh, the agreement that's been going, or the lack thereof that's been going on. And uh, I'm actually going to read the full statement from the WGA negotiating, negotiating committee that Deadline has. Dear members, Ellen Stuntsman and Tony Segal 
met with Carol Lombardi and the AMPTP staff this afternoon. Uh, those are just the parties involved representing the strike on both sides. When Carol stated was a confident sidebar to discuss resuming negotiations for a new MBA deal. Topics included at the AMPTP's insistence, press blackouts. Also discussed was a potential negotiation protocol and a preview of the issue each side intends to bring back to the table upon resumption. As of now, there is no agreement on these items because the AMPTP said they needed to consult with their member studios before moving forward. Our intention after the confidential meeting was said was to send an, a simple email letting you all know how we would get back to you when there was more specific information about resuming negotiations. However, before the negotiating committee even had a chance to meet, our communications department began hearing from the trades asking for comments on studio-leaked rumors of the contents of the confidential meeting. This is after the AMPTP sent so much of the meeting emphasizing the need for a press blackout. Since the studios are leaking to the (laughs) press, we need to let you know what was said in the meeting. (laughs) First, Carol informed us that the the DGA deal would be the... would. The DGA deal would be the deal on any pattern issues. She stated they are willing to increase their offer on a new writer-specific TV minimum and willing to talk about AI, but they were not willing to engage on the preservation of the writer's room or the success-based residuals. She did not indicate willingness to address the screenwriter issues, Appendix A issues, and many other proposals that will remain on our list. On behalf of the Guild, Ellen reiterated that the expectation that all fundamental issues are over, which writers have been striking these past three months, would be addressed in this new contract and no segment of the membership would be left behind. Ellen made clear, in addition to a comprehensive response from the AMPTP, on our proposals in all work areas, we will need to address issues arising from the strike, including a health care benefit extension, an additional plan funding, reinstatement of striking writers, and arbitration of disputes arising from the strike. We will also seek the right for individual WGA members to honor other unions' picket lines as they have honored ours during the strike, which means... Not only are they saying, fuck you, we're not making a deal, you better extend our goddamn health care, and when we make a deal, we're not going back to work until the actors go back to work. Hell yeah. Dude, they are fucking nuts, and I love it. I love it. Look up Solidarity in the Dictionary. You know what you'll Boom. find? The picture, picture of the WGA. WGA. <laughs> um, Carol's response, something she repeated three times during the meeting, <laughs> echoes what was written in the AMPTP press statement yesterday. People just want to go back to work. We agree with the caveat that those conditions that have made writers' jobs increasingly untenable must be first addressed. Your committee remains willing to engage with companies and resume negotiations in good faith to make a fair deal for all writers, even with this early afternoon confirmation that the AMPTP playbook continues. But rest assured, this committee does not intend to leave anyone behind or merely make an incremental deal to conclude this strike. Don't fuck with people who are good at writing. They make statements like this one. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to challenge writers to a writing competition? (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) But, like, listen, this is awesome. Uh, Look, I... We had a private conversation. By private, I just mean not on the show. Of, like, when... When the strike first happened, the writer's strike. Yeah. Of, hey, how long do you think it's going to go? I said it would last till Halloween. That was my... I think this is going until fucking January, dude. Yeah. I do. I do. Unless suddenly the studios are like... Get their shit together. Yeah. Because I think now, instead of trying to make this deal happen, they're going to go try to make a deal with the actors, and it's all going to be about what the actors do. Because if they get the actors uh, from the studio perspective, yeah, 
right? If they get the actors, they can resume production on... They can resume production on things that had to shut down production. Yes, unless the actors are going to not return dude, until the writers... Dude, dude, if the actors... That would be the funniest if circumstance. If the actors yeah. go, we will not resume talks until you make a deal with the WGA... <sighs> do you think, it, do you think I it would be, be a, doing jumping jacks and I hate moving? Do you think it would be a WGA first, then you talk to us? Or do you think it's be like, yeah, we can reach a deal, but we're not going back until you it also could be reach that, a deal with like that. Like with what, what the WGA said. said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be, that would be great. Dude, but anyway, this just goes to show, the writers aren't fucking around. It's like, no. it's like, oh, you think, you think you're going to worry us about losing our homes? Guess what, motherfucker? We were worried about that before this goddamn <laughs> we thing. We were underpaid anyway. We have nothing to lose. I couldn't make rent I'll before. sleep on the goddamn streets for fun, motherfucker. You think this is going to break me? You're sadly mistaken. Well, they also just the, that entertainment uh, creative fund. Yes, they did. Uh, which, if you're interested in donating, you can find in the description of the yep, video. Yep, yep. Um, they just got historic sums from, Multiple well, as we reported last week on The Rock, and then a bunch of celebrities came in, each yeah. with, it was like a list of 15 that each donated about a million. Yeah. And I think The Rock's was rumored to be seven figures. Yeah, almost. So they're sitting on 20 million, which now yeah. is that anything even close to being able to cover anything for these workers? No. No, but, but it's, it's an, not nothing. It's enough of like, hey, we have enough to feed everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and people will give us money. Fuck yeah. around and find out. Yeah, which is what the much. studios are basically doing now. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's so it's so insane. We're, we're living in fun times, my friend. Very fun times. I mean, like I said before, when we were just talking about the VFX workers, Hollywood is just going to be fundamentally different at the end of this, and for the better. I agree. I think it will be for the better, and I love that everyone's doing it at once to really show this impact of yeah. like you need us. Like, yeah, make no mistake on that. Yeah, it's. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Um, with that down, uh, before we move on to my favorite section of the show, uh, there is one thing that happened today that I do want to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, William Frington died. Uh, for those that don't know, he was a legendary film director who really shot to Sardom in the 70s with a bunch of other filmmakers. And uh, he directed such films as The French Connection, Sorcerer, and The Exorcist. Um, one of the greats one of the all-time great filmmakers. Um, he made a horror movie in 1973 that got nominated for Best Picture. Like, that is huge. And while the some people watch The Exorcist now and think it doesn't hold up scare-wise, story-wise, one of the best fucking movies ever made. The character arcs, the acting, the performances, the makeup effects, it's a fantastic movie. And um, whenever this happens, it's sad. You know, someone who made great art dying but seeing the other filmmakers that you would that we admire watching pouring their support saying like this is someone who they watched and they were inspired by Mm -hmm. and you know you feel that connection through them almost and it's it's a sad day in the world of film with him passing so rest in peace uh, mr friedkin Mm -hmm. your work was incredible uh on that somber note we're going to switch it up by moving on to the box office. The box office. Section of our show. Nicholas, please pull up our very wrong predictions. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can tell you right fucking now, buddy. All right, Dalton, you had Barbie, Oppenheimer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Meg, Sound of Freedom. I had Barbie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Oppenheimer, Meg, and Sound of Freedom in fifth. Both wrong. Oh, boy. This is going to get good. You ready for this? Hit me with it. All right. Barbie, number one. Naturally. Uh, making another $53 million. 
we're, we're going to get into what it just crossed here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Coming in second, Meg to the Trench. <laughs> <laughs> what? Beat Oppenheimer by one million, making thirty million dollars in its opening domestic weekend. Holy shit! Coming in third, mm-hmm. Oppenheimer making twenty nine point one million dollars, only dropping thirty eight percent from week two to week three. Um, Barbie had a forty three percent drop. Another great drop for Barbie. Coming in fourth, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem making twenty eight million dollars. So there was a two million dollar difference from second to fourth. That's close, That's man. That's tight. That's tight. That's tight. And coming in fifth, Haunted Mansion, making Ooh. another $9.2 million. The one time we were like, you know what? We've been counting out Sound of Freedom. It, it fucking lets us down. It, it doesn't make it at all. I know. But it did become in sixth, making another 7.5. It uh, just won't stop. It won't. It won't. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm, I'm also going to dive in to talk to me a little later down. It came in eighth, but it only had a 40% drop. And for a horror movie with a B-plus cinema score unheard of mm-hmm. drop that small that's crazy uh with that's a couple weeks in though right that's, second week that's it it came out just last week yeah i could have sworn it was like three four weeks ago nope god damn only dropped 40 percent. crazy um with that being said let's dive into some of these movies shall we mm-hmm. barbie has done it it's crossed one billion dollars at the box office hell yeah and it is tracking ahead of mario it may become the number one grossing movie of the year nicholas oh shit that's fucking gnarly and ask me i believe congratulations to greta gerwig for being the first solo female director to to cross a billion dollars yes yes the first solo female director the other female directors were a part of teams that involved males Mm -hmm. and i believe they were frozen frozen 2 and captain marvel i want to say I don't know off the top of my head. I believe that's what they are. I just remember the solo headline. Correct me in the comments. Mm-hmm. And uh, with its $100 million budget, it's now made 10.3 times its budget back. I think Mattel and Warner Brothers are pleased. I think Mattel are very happy with that. Yes. And also, um, her interview with Perry Nemiroff, Margot Robbie is with Perry Nemiroff, is going viral again. Because mm-hmm. Perry asked her, like, what did you, how did you pitch this to Mattel? Like, how did you get this to happen? And Margot Robbie jokingly said in the Greenlight meeting, like, if you if you let us make this movie, it's going to make a billion dollars. And then she immediately follows up with, of course, that's probably an overstep, but, like, I had a movie to make. So, like, now it's... <laughs> and it did. Yeah, now it's hilarious. Uh, Meg 2. Let's dive into Meg 2, because you guys are not going to fucking believe this. Nick, it opened to 30 mm-hmm. in America. Tell me its worldwide total. 65. 141. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it opened to 70 million in China and it did um other business as well. I think the first one did insane overseas. Too, it did, right? Yeah. yeah. So overseas. Uh, yeah. So I don't know the bu- let me let me find out the budget of this fucking movie, the Meg 2 mm-hmm. budget. I don't care what the budget right. is as long as we get 3. Budget's 139 million. It has 141 <laughs> worldwide right now. It's going to end up being profitable. Hell yeah. It just has to do a little bit more. Um I mean, even if it gets a 50% drop domestically, that's still another Another what, 15. Another yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, so, pretty good. Meg 2 making big numbers overseas yes. with $141 million worldwide so far. Uh, let's dive into Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't passed the half a billion, which is fucking crazy for a three-hour R-rated drama. Um, and with this with this hundred million dollar budget, it's marketed made, as a summer blockbuster. Yeah, with this hundred dollar budget, it made five point six times its budget back. 
And um, I think it's going to continue. It might even get to six, which is crazy. Do you think it'll be Nolan's most profitable? Where does his movies rank? I'd never mm. think of them in terms might of Might be The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that made over a billion dollars. Did but, it? But I don't know. I don't know how much it cost. It probably wasn't cheap. I'd have to. That's a great one to look into. Or one of his non-IP, I guess maybe, I should say. Ooh, maybe Memento. Because that was a cheap movie. I'm going to dive into that later. But uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, by the way, Dunkirk's budget was only $85 million. I found that out the other day. That's fucking wild. Pretty good. <laughs> to me. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles worldwide has a $51 million total worldwide. Its budget was $70 million. It's got a little bit to go. But I think this is better than what they were expecting. Mm-hmm. And I think this is nothing to sneeze at, personally. Made 0.7 times the budget back so far. I think with good word of mouth, this could have low drops because we're at the end of the summer. Perfect for kids. Yeah. And Haunted Mansion, not doing great, uh, has $59 million worldwide right now and has 0.4 times its budget, has a big price tag of $158 million just about. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit rough for Haunted Mansion. But before we go, let's dive into a couple more here. Sound of Freedom has only been released domestically and has a domestic total of $164 million. That's fucking wild. That's it's crazy. Yep. Mission Impossible has a worldwide total of four hundred ninety-one million. Just get to five. Just get to five. I hope it does. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But with its price tag, it's not. It's going to be a money loser. Uh, it's only made one point seven times its budget. Yeah, but also you know they paid their entire crew and staff and actors yeah. through seven COVID shutdowns. So yeah. also good on you, Mission Impossible. Yeah. At the same good time, good on you. And look, if you make a half a million or half a billion dollars. Studios aren't upset about that. They're not going to be too mad. No. Um, And then lastly, let's look at Talk To Me. Budget of $4.5 million. It now has a worldwide total of 24. Let's go. That's profit. (laughs) Let's get Talk To Me. Talk To Me. (gasps) Let's get Talk To Me. (laughs) Let's fucking go. Uh, Didn't the Rakaraka guys, I'm only saying that because I'm unfamiliar with their full names. Michael and Danny Filippo. There we go. Didn't they say they already shot a prequel? Yeah, so they said that... Um, I haven't seen the movie. In, in so. the movie, there's an opening scene with a character, like a cold open. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've shot like a feature length's worth of cell phone footage, of party footage, of like uh, a found footage version of that guy's story. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty cool, yeah. And they were like, maybe we could release it. Do it. I would love to watch it. Um, yes, very excited for them and for that. Uh, now, let's do our wrong predictions for next week. So what do we have coming out this week? So I think it was supposed to be... Demeter, which we have tickets for, obviously. By the way, the numbers we read were the final Monday numbers, but I think they delayed Gran Turismo by two weeks. Ah, uh-huh. yo, Demeter's going unmatched, bro. Money, <laughs> money in the bank. It's not going to make anything. It that's won't. Fine. By the way, guess what the highest-grossing horror movie of the year so far is? Insidious: The Red Door. Nice. Good job, Patrick Wilson. I still haven't seen it. We love Patrick Wilson here. Yes, we do. I have my predictions. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Barbie. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Getting crazy. Meg was what? 30? 30. I'm going to go Oppenheimer second. I think it gets second again. Okay. I'm going to go fucking nuts right now. Number three, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Number four, Ninja Turtles. Number five, Meg 2. God damn it. That might be my favorite top five of all time. Like, if that comes true. <laughs> what did Oppenheimer make? 29, but it only had a 38% drop. 
quick maths hovers around 20, 19, 18, 17, 16. Okay, Barbie number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Okay. What did Ninja Turtles have? Sorry. 28. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> okay. Voyage. And Meg 2. I want on record that I wanted the same one as Dalton, but that's not. <laughs> but he had fun. to make it interesting. That's not fun. You get to go first next time. Keep us honest. Remind us that Nick gets to go first next time, <laughs> because I'll forget. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that's all we had for the show today. Yeah, I think so. Leave your um, box office predictions in the comments. I'd love to see them. And if you're right, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Yes. And as always, you can find links to all of our social media in the description. And if you have not already checked it out already, we have a movie review that went out yesterday on the channel. Yes. uh, yes. Which I will link in the description as well. I think that about does it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you next time. 